testimony about music. John Mark, stand up. John Mark, everybody knows John Mark, right? John Mark Miller. He just finished uh, doing a CD. He did it with, I guess, Morningstar produced it, right? However, him and some friends did it, uh, but it's really a good CD, okay? I've listened to the first two songs. I, Becky bought a couple copies, and Philip happened to be with him every time. He had one of them, and of course, he dominates <laughs> when it comes to music. He would take it out of the car and go on with it, but uh, if you want to buy it, you can contact Morning Star to buy it, correct? I would say it's about the first two songs, one of the first ones, 730. That one's good, but this next one, I really like it. Hey, won't you come around? <laughs> I like that song a whole lot. But, uh, are they? I'm sure they're all good, but, uh, four and six, job 30, 38, we change. Well, we just really are excited about, you know, John Mark. Amen. And Andy, that was tremendous. I mean, Kevin Prosh, you know, he's like the number one, you know, Christian guy. This is what I was saying about Andy. It would be like T.D. Jakes calling me. <laughs> that would be the equivalent in the preaching world. Asking me to come out and spend two or three days with him so he could sort of help me learn how to preach. <laughs> so it's a big opportunity. You know, Lord bless these guys, you know, in this. This is not just a, a dream. This is something God puts in a person's heart. And uh, at the end of the service, we'll, we'll play this one. Okay? So give that to Donna so she'll have it ready to play. That was just, I'm excited about it. This is really the Lord. Amen? Well, everybody just, uh, just, let's just close our eyes for a second and just say, just think about Jesus for a minute and thank him for these, what we've heard. Thank him for freedom. Thank him for, you know, Andy's testimony. Thank you for what he's done for John Mark. Jesus, we, we see it's you. It's, 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 it really is you, as Andy so well said. It's something you placed in us and then, and then you drew it out of us. And Lord, you've placed something in every person in this room and you want to draw that thing out of them. You want to set them free so they can, the, the, the thing that you've placed in them, music or preaching or, or washing cars, whatever it is, Lord Jesus, for your glory that you put in us, that burns in us, that we desire to do, Jesus, you're going to draw it out. And we thank you for that because you're faithful to yourself. You're faithful to what you put in us. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to just share a little bit with you this morning. Um, <clears throat> I really got. I'm really excited. I really am, and uh, I'm so excited. I'm going to really step out there and try to do something this morning that I have wanted to do for years, but I couldn't do. And that is, I want to talk to you about Romans chapter seven. Okay. Now, um, I believe Romans, well, actually, I believe Romans chapter 5 through 8 are like key chapters in the whole Bible. In fact, this is why I think they're key. I think they describe the gospel of grace. Okay? That's, that's when I read, I, and I've been reading them, book, them chapters for years. Okay? My problem has been, I don't really, I haven't understood those, those chapters. They're perplexing to me. In fact, this is what I was saying the other night when I was trying to think through this how to say really what I feel like God's put in my heart. I was thinking, wouldn't it be great if somebody wrote a book called Romans for Dummies? <laughs> you know, Romans for Dummies. Because when I read it, that's the way I feel. I feel like I need one of those, you know, you've seen those software books, you know, like Word for Dummies. That's the way I feel when I read Romans. Like, 
I don't get it. I, I get some of it, but then I read, you know, I read, I read like chapter 5, I think I'm getting it, then I read 6, and it's like, wait a minute. So I really want to share some things, some revelation I feel like God's given me out of Romans 7. Now, for me to be able to do this, I had to do it from Matthew, to start at Matthew chapter 5. Okay, because that's how, I'm just going to take you how I got there. Okay? And, you know, this is, you know, if I was going to write a book, Romans for Dummies, I would start in Matthew 5. So let me just, yeah. The problem is, is my writing is worse than my talking. It's, it's awful. <laughs> but uh, here's what Romans 7 talks about. All right, just in a nutshell. Romans 7 talks about the law. Okay, and it talks about getting free from the law. That's what the whole chapter's about, okay? And uh, here, here's the problem that I've had as a Christian. When I think about the law, I think about, that doesn't, that doesn't apply to me. You know, that's Pharisees. You know, that's what's in the Old Testament. Okay? That was what would come into my mind. So I would read Romans 7, I would think, I'm not getting this. Because, I mean, I can understand if you were Jewish, or if he was a Christian who lived back there, or if he was a Christian who got involved in real heavy legalism, how this would, would help you. Um, so, um, then I read chapter 5 of Matthew. I felt like the Lord said, read, read chapter 5 of Matthew. That's what I felt like he told me to read. And I just want to read just a few verses out of there. Uh, Matthew five twenty one. 21. Um, and by the way, if anybody here read Oswald Chambers, raise your hand. Please go home and read Oswald Chambers today, okay, for the, for the day. Uh, read yesterday first. Because I read it, and, you know, if I was Oswald Chambers, I could say this whole message in about two minutes in, in a couple paragraphs. Because he said it, and his men, I, but I'm not Oswald, so it's going to take me a couple more minutes besides here. This is what Jesus said. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. Now, that's one of the commandments. And whoever commits and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Okay? You got that? Now, tell me what's going on here. When I read that, when I really read it and start thinking about it, I'm thinking, I'm in trouble. Okay? Because I've been mad with a lot of people in my life for no good reason. Because I thought they did something that they really didn't do. I thought they said something, they acted a certain way, which I read. You hear what I'm saying? I realized when I was reading that, I'm really in trouble. I'm in big trouble. Now let's read uh, verse 27. You have heard that it was said... To those of old, I'm going to get every guy in this room above a certain age. You shall not commit adultery. That's another one of the commandments, right? But I say to you, whoever looks at a woman to lust for, for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Okay? So, here's what I would like to say to you about that. I believe every young man above a certain certain age in this room is guilty of committing adultery in their heart based on that verse right there. Now that, listen, look at my Bible. Everybody see what color that is? That's Jesus talking. 
Okay? I'm not making this stuff up. It ain't, you know, it ain't Paul. It's Jesus. I mean, you know, Paul's the word of God equally, but this is Jesus. Um, verse 33. Again, you have heard that it was said to those all, you shall not swear falsely, but, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it's God's throne, by, nor by earth, for it's his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. No, nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your yes be yes, and your no be no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. How many people in this room have told somebody they are going to do something and didn't do it? And Jesus is clearly saying, this, that's from the evil one. Now, I, do I need to keep... This is the point I'm trying to make to you. Jesus has laws... Jesus has requirements of us that are much greater than anything in the Old Testament. Okay? Much greater. Jesus has a demand on us that is incredible. When you really start reading the Bible, and I'm not just saying, Jesus, read the Bible and think about what the Bible's asking you to do. Paul says in one place, pray all the time. Can you pray all the time? He says, rejoice evermore. Can we do those things? I mean, seriously, can we really fulfill what the Bible asks us, not, not just suggests to us, not really asks us, but tells us this is the way to live a righteous life? It's an impossibility. Let me just say this. If you believe that Jesus won't put burdens on you that you can't bear, you are a joke and you are living in a, in a dreamland. Jesus will put burdens on you that will break every bone in your body. He will bring you to despair. He really will. You, can't, you do not have the power to fulfill one of his commandments, the least of his commandments. The minorest thing that God has asked us to do, we cannot do those things. And that is the truth. Now, this is one of the things I thought. I thought, well, what about this one verse, Lord, and, and about this temptation? Let me read it to you just to make it clear to you because I thought about it. Maybe somebody else thought First 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with a temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. The problem with that verse is he's not talking. He's talking about temptations. That, that's what he's talking about. He's just saying, I'm not going to let you be tempted beyond what you're going to bear, but I'm going to ask you to do some things that will crush you that will destroy you. You can't do it. You cannot do what he asks us to do. Does anybody in here believe that? See, here's the truth. We need deliverance from doing the law. We need deliverance from doing... Listen, this is what we need deliverance from. This sounds radical. We need deliverance from doing what the Bible says. We need deliverance from these red words right here that I just read to you, we need to be set free from doing them. That's what the church needs. That's what Christians need. I'm convinced of one reason why we walk into the church on Sunday mornings sad and burdened and heavy. It's because we are trying to live an impossible life, and we can't do it, and it's driving us down, and it's driving us down, and it's, dry, it's crushing us. You know what I'm saying? And that's what Romans 7, Romans 7 teaches us this. Romans 7 teaches this, if you really study it. It teaches this, if you're not free from the law, you'll never be free from sin. That's what it teaches you. Are you with me? Y'all ain't... <clears throat>
Everybody's not shouting and having a good time this morning. But this is, a, this is an incredible revelation, I'm telling you. So turn to Romans 7. And I'm not going to try to go through every verse. I'm just going to hit a few high points because, I mean, I feel inadequate to really say what I'm saying. Uh, but Romans 7, I'm going to read verse 7 through 12 because I really want to make one, clear, one thing clear about the law. I'm talking about the law of Moses. I'm talking about Jesus' commandments, okay, and what Jesus asks us to do and what the Bible tells us to do, okay? It says uh, in verse 7 of Romans 7, What shall we say then is the law of sin? Now, when I say law, let's think this. Let's don't think just Old Testament. Let's think about everything the Bible tells us to do, New Testament and Old Testament, okay? Let's just go ahead and settle that. That's what we think. It's Jesus' commandments. Jesus commanded what? Love one another. That's a commandment, right? As I have loved you. Let's, all those kinds of things. Let's just keep those in mind. Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. For I would not have known covetousness unless the law said, You shall not covet. But sin, taking opportunity by the commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desire. For apart from the law, sin was dead. I was alive once without the law. But when the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. And I want to propose to you, Christian man and woman, that's what's happened to many Christians. You were alive. You got saved. You were full of joy. You were full of, of peace. You were happy. You were having this honeymoon with God. Then you started going to church and started hearing preaching about living a holy life and about being perfect and about paying tithes and about reading the Bible and coming and helping in the Sunday school class. All those things, and guess what happened to you? You started dying at that moment because you started hearing it and thought, good gosh, i got to do all this stuff now. Okay? So you started dying. You didn't recognize it, but that's why the honeymoon got over. Okay? Because the law came in and started killing you. Jesus' commands came in and started destroying you. Okay? Are you with me? I was alive once without Jesus' teachings. But when Jesus' teachings came, I'm just throwing my stuff in. This is how I was able to understand it. Sin revived and I died. It came back alive. I got forgiven now. It came back. And the commandments, which was to bring life, I found to bring death. The things that Jesus has asked me to do, which was to bring life to me and give me that joy unspeakable, I felt it was killing me. It was destroying me. Okay? For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me and it killed me. Therefore, the law is holy, and the commandment, holy, just, and good. It's all right. It's, it's righteous. The problem is not with what's being asked of us. The problem is not with the Bible. The problem is not with what God says. The problem is with us. We're the problem. We're the issue. Okay? There's a scripture that says uh, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ. That's what Galatians 3.24 says. In other words, it was like a teacher. It was really put there to show you how much a failure you really are. It was put there to, to manifest your weakness. So Jesus is saying, love this person like I love you, and I try to love them. And I realize I can't love them. I realize I really hate them. I despise them. I don't want to be around them. So the thing that was supposed to bring life and give life, I'm trying to love this person. I'm trying to do right, God. You said to love them. You said to pray always. I can't do it. It's destroying me. Are you with me so far? I'm excited about this. I really am. I know I'm acting crazy about it, but 
that, Becky told me you need to you know, dial down this morning. I'm way dialed down. Let's read uh, verse 5 of Romans 7. Did you get what the law is? God knows how weak we are. That's the thing. He knows you're pitiful. You're bad pitiful. The problem is we don't know it. We don't know it. And that's what the law is meant to do. You didn't get ready for this test, pal. There's classes in college. For those of you who went to college know this. There's certain classes every college has that are meant to fail you. And a lot of professors are very bold. They'll just flat tell you, we're here to weed you out of this deal. We are going to eliminate your height if we can in this class. We're going to fail you, and you're going to be out of this university. When I was in college, it was a certain chemistry class that they flat told us right up front. We're here to fail you. And that really is the Bible. It's, the Bible's here to fail you. The Bible's here to tell you how weak you are, how pitiful you are. God knows that you're weak. God knows you're pitiful. He knows you can't love everybody. He knows you can't love Him. He knows you can't pray evermore. He knows you don't want to give tithes to Him. He knows all that, right? He knows that, but you don't know it. We don't know it. We think we can do it. So He says, go for it. Do it. Love me. Love your brothers. Don't be mad. So you go try to do it, and you get mad anyway. I'm not paying tithes this week. You know what I'm saying? I'm not reading the Bible. I can't do it no more. That's what the law's meant to do, to tell you you can't do it. That's what the Scripture's for, to teach you what you can't do, tell you how bad you really are. Romans 7, 5 and 6. For when we are in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. That's when you're in the flesh, right? But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve, everybody say serve, serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. So, Romans 7, and this is really important, right there, that's the key, key word there, I believe, in the whole verse. Romans 7 is not about dealing with sin. It's about us serving God and pleasing God. Okay? Now, here's what happens. Every, this is what happens to everybody. I believe it happens to every Christian. We get saved, just like what Andy was testifying. We realize how good God has been to us. Give me a wife. He's given me a kid. He saved me. I'm going to heaven. Now, I've got to do something for God. Because God's been so good to me. Right? So we set about, we're going to please God because we know how much He's loved us and cared for us. So we set out to please God and serve God. And we start doing it. But sooner or later, you come to a place where you start failing. You find out this about the Lord's will, and you find out this about serving God and finding out what His will is. You find out that it is a sad situation. You find out His will is hard to find out about, right? I mean, how many Christians come into my office all worried that I'm going to miss the Lord, and I don't want to miss the Lord, and I just don't know what to do? And, and I'm thinking, something is really messed up here. This is a bad Christianity we've got going here. Unhappiness, you know, so you get in this old cycle. <clears throat> okay, Lord, I really know I let you down, Lord. Anybody ever said that? Lord, I know I let you down and failed you. So I repent, Lord, and I'm just going to go, and I'm going to try harder, God. I'm going to do better, God. I'm going to serve you better. I'm going to, I promise you Sunday I will come up with an altar call. I promise you I will give my time. I promise you I will read the Bible every day this week. I promise you I will pray. I promise you when that idiot that sits across from me in church, I will love that person and not hate him. I promise you I will do that. 
So you do all that stuff and you go through this cycle and you fail and the devil's sitting there saying, I told you you couldn't do it, you idiot. You are worthless. God hates you. He hates you because you can't do it. So you go through this cycle where you repent and you try and you fail and you repent and you try and fail. Has anybody been through that in their life? That is what has happened to us when it comes to the law. And it's meant to happen to us. It's meant to happen to us. It's meant to show us, okay? The harder we try, the more we fail. The harder you try to please the Lord, the worse it's going to get. You can't please Him. He's not pleasable. Yeah, and the more discouraged and disillusioned you become. And that's why you see Christians that fall away from the Lord, I believe. Is they get disillusioned and discouraged with the Christian. I can't do this. What's the use? And in their hearts, they drift away from the Lord. That's why there's people in this room right now with lukewarm hearts towards God. It's not that you are any different. You've got a very sincere heart, okay? But you don't feel any passion about God. It's because you've gotten disillusioned from repenting and trying and failing and repenting and trying and failing. You've gotten tired of it. You've gotten wore down by it. And, you, you know, the things of the world suddenly start attracting you. And you sort of drift towards those things because you're wore out. You're tired. Or some people just get to be an old lukewarm, nasty, gripey Christian. I think that's why, this is why I think you come in here and there's sadness in the room. It's because we've got a room full of people that's repenting and trying and failing. Repenting and trying and failing. Trying to make God happy. Trying to please God. Trying to serve God. Trying to live up to what the Bible says. I mean, it's sincere heart. You have a sincere heart. You have a right heart. Are y'all with me? But it's not working, is it? It is not working. It's not, and I'm going to tell you, it's not going to work. All right, now let's read verse 18 and 19. And, and let me just say this. This is what I believe about Romans 7. I believe Romans 7 is really the doorway to walking in, into a grace life. It's, it's Romans 7. This verse 18 and 19 are sort of the key verses. This is what it says. For I know, and these things blew my mind for years, these verses. They were like, crazy. this is some of the craziest stuff I've ever heard, Lord. Why would anybody write? I know why Peter said this about Paul's writing. He said, some of that stuff's hard to understand. Apostle Peter said that about Paul. Man, some of that stuff's hard. And I think this was some of the verses he was talking about. But I understand it now. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to, for to will is present with me, right? Everybody here wants to serve God. We want to please God. We want to make God happy, right? That's what he's saying right there. The will is in me, okay? I want to do it. Uh, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. I don't find it in me. I don't find how to do it. I can try harder. I can go and have counsel with the pastor. I can study the Bible more. I can pray more. Let me try this. Let's pray in tongues for an hour every day. Maybe that'll do it. How many people have tried such insane stuff? I mean, I haven't, Jim. You know, we've tried it all. It didn't work. It won't work. You know? So we tried this stuff. <laughs> and it's the comes from a sincere desire. To love the Lord, a sincere desire to serve God. I'm telling you, it's all sincere. I'm not saying this is bad from a sincere standpoint. I'm just saying it's bad from, it ain't going to work. Um, 
how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do it. The things that I want to do, I want to serve God. I desire to know His will. I don't want to mess up in my life. I want to be a good husband. I want to be a great pastor. I really want to do this thing right, Lord. You know? But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Well, Lord, I don't, you know, I want to do all this good stuff, but I find this thing in me wanting to do bad stuff. Anybody got that problem in their life? Uh, you know, I'll get that rascal. You know, I'll get him if he says another word to me like that. I'm going after him. Okay. But here's what the focus is. If you really read it, go back. The word I, I will do, I do not do, but the evil I, I will not do, that I practice. I, everybody say I. See, that's the problem. It's the focus is on I. And here's what's going to happen to you. This is, this is the doorway to walking in the grace lifestyle, okay? God wants to bring you to a place, of, of verse 18 and 19, where it is a reality in your life where you realize the things that you desire to do in your heart, the right things, you come to the place you realize, I can't do it no more. If your desire was a simple desire, I just really want to read the Word daily. That's all I want to do, Lord. That sounds like a simple desire. For some of us, that's like, God, anybody could do that. But for some of us, we can't. And we try to do it, and we try to do it, and we try to do it. Instead of reading the Word, you read comic books. You know? <laughs> Or you watch TV. Or you start reading it and you read a paragraph and you don't even know what you read because you really wasn't reading it. You were thinking about what you was going to do that day. Are y'all with me? And this is where you get delivered from trying to do something for God. Let me give you my sad testimony. And this is the truth. And I really feel sort of stupid standing up here sharing this with you. But I came to this place in my life. This is what I came to. I would walk up this hill out here, and that end of the building from where I live over there through the woods, and I would see this church building, and this is what I'd feel. <sighs> and then I would see me, okay, like this, in the building on my back. And I went through that for two years of my life, and I didn't know what was wrong with me. And you could have told me, Byron, you're striving. And I would have said, yeah, well, you know, I'm striving about this thing or that thing, you know, and Lord, forgive me. But I didn't really see that it was a greater issue going on in my life. Okay? Oh, foolish Byron, who has bewitched you? I'm telling you, I, this is really true. I came to the point where I said, Lord, I know you've called me to be a pastor. I know you, but I am messing it up on every level. I just don't seem to be able to get this thing right. How do you do this thing? I know you've called me, you've affirmed it, I believe it, but I just can't do it. What is wrong with me, Lord? Why can't I do it? And it was crushing me. And honestly, I came to the point where I said, I don't want to do this no more. I'm miserable, I'm unhappy, I'm tired of walking up this building and going, huh, and seeing this building on my back like I can carry this whole thing. Okay? Now, this is my testimony. You might be thinking, wow, what an idiot he is. But let me promise you something. This was the testimony of this person. So I'm really getting in with this guy here called Paul and identifying with Paul. So you can say, y'all boys are messed up, but I'm identifying with the, with the messed up crowd here. Okay? I mean, I do feel sort of stupid saying that. I'm honestly going to tell you that. But that's my testimony. I was trying to do it. And God brought me to the place 
where I realized I can't, and this is, this is the truth, I couldn't figure out, I tried everything. I went through everything I knew. Honestly, I even went and sought counsel about, I think, I went to a, a good friend of mine who can give good counsel, a real unbiased kind of person, said, I think maybe the Lord's called me to, you know, I finished my ministry and I need to go back and be in the business world. I really felt that. I was looking for a way out. I wanted out from under this thing. I wanted out from under this building. I wanted out from under all these expectations that I thought were on me to do something, to please God. You know, Lord, you've you know, you got to be a good steward. You've got to do it this way. You've got to shepherd the flock of God. All the things that you read in the Bible, those things were destroying me because I could not figure out how to do those things. I was trying to do them. Are y'all with me? Here's a good little thing that uh, it's not, it's deliverance from the law means God no longer requires me to do something from him, for him. That's what deliverance from the law. It means God no longer requires me to do something. That's why Romans 7 is important. God no longer requires you to do something for him. God no longer requires you to serve him. God no longer requires you to please him. He is totally uninterested in you doing that. In fact, I was trying to please God and serve God. But it wasn't working. I couldn't please him. I couldn't serve him. I couldn't live up to the smallest of his commands. It's not that we do not do the will of God, okay, for you carnal people who are going to sin no matter what you say. It's not that we do not do the will of God, okay? We're going to do the will of God. We just don't have to do it ourselves. See, there's something else that's going to start working. Now, this sounds like, oh, everybody knows that. Lord, just give people revelation in this room right now. Because this is what you've got to have revelation on. You understand it. You can agree all that. Agree. If you'd have said this to me three months ago, I'd have, yeah, amen. Preach that message, brother. And I'd have got up and walked out of here and carried this church home with me. That's what I would have done. And that's what some of you will do. Yeah, that was a great message, Byron. But you'll walk out of here. And whatever it is you're trying to do in serving God and pleasing God, and you're going to walk out of here and try to keep doing it until God gives you revelation. And when he, start, when he starts giving you revelation, it sets you free. That's, that's what we're talking about, freedom this morning. Now, let's look at verse 22, <clears throat> and, and then we'll be coming to the end. It says, For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. Again, a good heart, a heart that wants to please God. Are y'all getting anything out of this? Okay. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. That's why I said you got to just make it simple because that seems kind of complex. That's why I, what I said is to either get free from sin, you got to get free from the law. you got to get free from having to serve God, having to please God. 